and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I'm Lucas Stock. And I am Jens Nelson. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Thank you so much for joining us as we discuss and investigate theology in the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. Well, I am still afraid I'm going to stumble over my words because it has been nearly a calendar month since we sat down to do this. We are, in fact, if you're listening to this, you know, relatively close to the day it comes out, you are getting a new episode. Not quite real time for you, but real time for us for the first time in a long time, as I have been traveling, and then you have been traveling, and, um... Well, that's, that's why we've missed the last few weeks specifically, but also we've just continued our saga of 2023 being a very, very busy year for both of us for completely different reasons in completely different parts of the country, but we're both busy at the same time, which makes it very, 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 very extra difficult <laughs> to do a podcast on a regular basis. So as you've probably noticed, if you've been paying attention, we've been re-uploading some old episodes um, revisiting past topics that um, we feel or really Jensen feels are, are worth revisiting or maybe are old enough that a lot of people might have missed or whatever. Um, so we hope that that has held you over while you wait for a new, completely new conversation. Um, and we are excited for, uh, you know, this is coming up, coming out, I mean, right at the end of May. Um so we are excited for the summer months, June, July, to get into more of what is a, or what was at one point, somewhat of a normal rhythm for us. Um, I have finished my degree at Birmingham, in Birmingham at Beeson Divinity School, which means I'm also, in addition to having been traveling for a few weeks, I am out of, I, I'm in the middle of moving. I'm in a makeshift recording setup standing in my closet which funnily enough I've actually done before at a different in a different closet um at a different time for a reason that I can't remember why but I had to <laughs> but I'm doing it again um because I've got family here helping us move no furniture everything is getting packed up just a couple days and we load up the U-Haul and head head east again to um, a new part of the East Coast. We're going to be living in Virginia, but I'm sure I'll have plenty of time to talk about my new job there and stuff, which I'm excited for at another point. But in addition to rambling on because I haven't gotten a chance to record for a while, I'm excited to get to, for the first time in a long time, kick it to you to say, what's been going on? How you doing? What are we talking about today on this Fresh Pod episode? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's funny. You you and I joked moments ago before we hit record about fate versus providence. You know, that whole like, you know, it's just a coincidence or is it, you know, the act of a sovereign providential ruler. Uh, as you alluded to, we've been re-uploading episodes. I just, because we had, I because I knew that we would have so many sequentially, I was like, it's a good idea to like re-upload some of those Jonah episodes. Mainly because like one, I love Jonah. Two, I really enjoyed that month, uh, January, I think, of 21, where we went through the book of Jonah um, in really great detail week by week. But third, it's providential in that um, a good portion of my thinking um, 
of a good portion of like how I approached that conversation was informed by the person that we're talking about today. Um, Tim Keller has a book which has been under two different names. I just realized today. O- originally, it was called The Prodigal Prophet, and now it is called Rediscovering Jonah. Um, both versions, you know, whatever press you have, uh, are, are by Tim Keller. Um, and so, you know, like I said, sad sad little bit of divine providence that like in the midst of re-uploading these old episodes tim keller happened to pass away um which was um i think in some ways foreseen in other ways unforeseen just you know it kind of depends on how much you keep tabs on his twitter account and the happenings um but definitely like it seemed in his final days like things were were rapidly deteriorating um and so this actually, this is now going to be the second time, if you recall, Lucas, that we've done a Christians of History shortly after someone passes away. Uh, typically, if you've been around our podcast or if you just have sort of caught caught on over the years, uh, Christians of History have been people who are passed away, people who have, for the most part, been long gone. Um, you know, think of people from the 15, 16, 17, 1800s, sometimes 1900s, but um, for the most part, it's you know Christians of history. It's it's learning from the people that came before us, who um, perhaps blazed trails or made significant contributions, or some of them who were relatively obscure and unknown. So much so that we had a hard time finding photos of them. I'm think I, I like I can't remember who it was. If it was like Thomas Helwis or one of those other weird Baptist dudes that we talked about at one point. Like, I couldn't even find a photo or a representation of them online. Um, like, that's how obscure they were. But, um, again, we, we this is now the second time. Uh, the first one was actually J.I. Packer, which happens to be one of our most popular episodes. Um, I think it's in our top ten. Uh, and now this one, number two, is is Tim Keller. So, yeah, it's it's one of those things like it, it's very sad. It's it's uh, you know especially and I know you're off of social media, so you probably missed all of this. But uh, in the days that that came after his passing, there were so many like so many tweets and articles and blogs just commending him, sharing uh, how fruitful his ministry had been. Um, you know things ways that people were impacted and touched and. Um, it's staggering. Like when you when you think about the the life of a person, whether they're famous, celebrity, obscure or not, when you think about a person, the impact that they can have upon upon those around them is is substantial. It's significant, even if it's only your spouse and children. Um, but if you think about the extension of how you interact in the world, how that how that affects your coworkers, how it affects brothers and sisters and parents and neighbors and strangers on the street like that's something we probably don't think enough about but like how how is something like the way that you drive how does that impact those around you like you know are you someone who drives carelessly or are you thoughtful like the i, I don't know now i'm get I'm, i promise i'm gonna bring this back home um to like the today's topic but like in the grand scheme of things in the world in which we find ourselves how we live is not inconsequential. How we how we live in light of what Christ has done is of tremendous importance. And I think that those are things that like Tim Tim Keller um, embodied very well. He was somebody who who at least in my opinion stood um, 
sort of outside the quote-unquote mainstream in a number of ways, as we're going to come to see. Um, and so for me, few people ever, and it's kind of crazy to say that, but few people have impacted my own faith as much as Tim Keller. Um, you know, I've read a number of Tim Keller books. I was very fortunate and lucky to hear him speak in person at the Gospel Coalition Conference in, oh, it was like either 2018 or 2019. I don't remember the year, but it was in Indian Indianapolis. Um, he actually gave a talk on Jonah. He also held one of the other general sessions, um, but like was really cool to hear him speak in person. Um, but his, and I, people use this word a lot, but his winsome witness, I think, taught all of us, uh, or at least many of us, how to seek the good of our cities. Um, in particular, the good of, you know, he was in New York, I've lived in Chicago, I've been in Downers Grove, today I'm outside of Madison. Um, but like, how do we seek the good of our cities? And just personally, like as as a young Christian, who grew up in a pretty shallow theological environment, for the most part, like he was really the first one to introduce me to an quote-unquote intellectual Christi uh, Christianity. So I think of people even like C.S. Lewis. Um, I think of uh, like the, the two people in my own thinking. It's like Tim Keller and C.S. Lewis. And Tim Keller was like really influenced by C.S. Lewis, so it makes a little bit of sense. But like those two people in my mind have, have vaulted my thinking. Um, they've impacted my head and my heart and then how I go and interact in the world. And I know like when I say something like intellectual Christianity, like some people might scoff at that idea. Some people might wonder what I mean. Um, but I mean like a Christianity that is not simply shallow, not simply emotional, um, but one that engages the mind and the heart. You know, it doesn't shy away from science, doesn't shy away from doubts, skepticism, um, but it shows the God of the Bible um, and it shows that he has, you know, something real and significant to say um, regarding the hardest and biggest questions of life. And uh, again, we'll come to probably talk about some of these, but Tim Keller wrote books like The Reason for God, um, which is sort of an apologetic work. Um, you know, the meaning of marriage. What does marriage mean? Um, talking about the prodigal God, the prodigal prophet, like just to name a few of his most popular books. Um, he had this focus, uh, like I said, not just impacting the mind, but also the heart and how it engages in the world. Um, so, yeah, I'm get I yeah I'll, I don't know like where I'll, do you want to start? Obviously, obviously we could yeah. just do like a brief bio of like his upbringing. Is that a good place where you want to begin? Yeah, probably. I I figured like I didn't really. So I I'm less familiar with with Tim Keller um, than you but also just th just then a lot of people who have been influenced by him um but um because of that i i i didn't want to try to pretend to learn everything that i could in a short time but what i wanted to do is kind of with the relatively small influence that he's had directly on me um still to kind of take stock of how influential he's been and then also to just just get a kind of snapshot of like of uh, his his ministry impact more broadly, so I I, I assume that um, people who are interested in him and his work, especially over the last week or two, have you know heard and seen and read a lot of like bio stuff um, as people are sort of reflecting back on a life of ministry and service and and work. So so we probably don't need to spend too much time on that, but it would be good it would be good um, 
to run through run through the bio. Like I'll just say like I think I did, I hadn't thought of this and I don't know if I've ever heard it like explicitly. Um, I'm sure people have made it before, but that C.S. Lewis comparison seems really apt um, in terms of like general approach and sort of, I guess we could say like style, at least as far as like public writing ministry goes. Um, you know, I the I believe the only full length book by Tim Keller that I've ever read, I just read uh, like within the last 12 months. I, I don't remember exactly when I read The Prodigal God. Um and it is it is striking just how, um, what's the word like how how he's able so smoothly to kind of shape a really complex idea into something that is very in, engaging, um, potentially of of anyone who were to come to that book. Um, and basically, for those who haven't read, the Prodigal God is is sort of a using the story of the prodigal son, specifically the the looking at the attitudes and particular sins that that we see in the elder and younger brothers in the story um, to sort of not redefine or reimagine, but like re-explain, sort of reorient um, how we think about the gospel, the gospel story and the message of the gospel and how we think about its impact and, and the way it shapes us. But it's done in such a way where it's it's sort of like deceptively simple, um, which I think can be said about a lot of C.S. Lewis, um, about a lot of C.S. Lewis's writing and, and like the sorts of things he was trying to get at in a way that made him beloved by people from all traditions of Christianity as well as all walks of life and you know people like C.S. Lewis people like J.I. Packer people like Tim Keller these public figures public ministers that that, that obviously um the to touch on Tim Keller specifically like he was for decades the pastor of a church which is first and foremost his 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 ministry um, until he stepped down from the lead pastor role. But um, even as he's engaged in that parish ministry, he's, he, he has this very broad, I mean, his books have sold millions of copies, like a very, very public (laughs) component to his ministry as well. But, but like everybody wants to claim him, you know, like that doesn't, you don't need to be from the PCA to, to appreciate what Tim Keller has to offer. You, you didn't need to be an Anglican to to love J.I. Packer or C.S. Lewis. Um, you don't even need to be a Protestant to, to, to love C.S. Lewis if you if you look around and, and, and in the decades to come. Um, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if, if we saw some of the same thing with, with people like Packer and, and Keller. But um, but it, it just is interesting, like even... even you know, like I said, I can only think of that one book that I've ever actually read, like an entire book of his. Um, I I can't remember ever, um, like I never heard him in person. I can't remember ever listening to or reading a sermon of his. Like like I can't think of very many ways that Tim Keller directly uh, impacted me in terms of his public ministry. Um, but I also can't think of a time where I didn't know who he was. And a lot of times that's a really bad thing. <laughs> like if you think about uh, people whose names are kind of buzzing around in the media, in my experience, that's that's often not good just because 
you know, we've, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but like, you know, celebrity and fame and, and just some of the problems with, with our culture and the way that, 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 um, takes specific form within Christian circles around celebrity pastors and that kind of thing. Like you have a lot of, you know, pitfalls and, uh, it's, it's incre- I think I think increasingly impressive and surprising when you have somebody like Tim Keller who um, like his writing and speaking ministry doesn't feel superfluous you know like it doesn't feel like he's just some guy with a platform saying vaguely true things but you know ultimately it's kind of about him like he very much feels like a like just just, the way that I've seen his influence in the the things that I have heard and read directly, it's like he he's very much somebody who you can look at and see a a pastor who who in, who had a public writing, especially but and speaking ministry. And then of course, you know, stepping down from Redeemer Fellowship um, as pastor and into it's Redeemer City to City. Is that is that the ministry, um, the like the urban like church planning and equipping ministry? Basically, like hundreds and hundreds of churches planted directly through that ministry that that he helped to found. Thousands upon thousands of church leaders like trained and equipped and all these things, which which can be very vague statistics, but it just shows the extent, right? Like through decades of of parish writing, speaking, and um, and, and like teaching and equipping and, and ministry training ministries, you have um, somebody who faithfully served the Lord in a way that like whatever you want to say about it was incredibly influential on countless people um, and directly has led to churches being planted and gospel proclamation and so it's hard it's hard to look at that you know and and all of that done in a way with humility and grace and 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 genuine pastoral authority not a driscoll or you know um any number of of others who have you know fallen from favor for for other salacious reasons and um this isn't to this isn't to deify or demonize Tim Keller. It's to recognize somebody actually faithfully living out the vocation. You know, there's a lot of examples of people who who happen to be in the limelight who don't faithfully live out their vacation before the Lord. And there's not as many of those people in the limelight who are positive examples that show what it's actually like to live out your vocation before the Lord in that very public setting. Um, but from my perspective as someone who, like I've said a couple times, is more or less an outsider when it comes to like um, Tim Keller's work, um, I don't have as much exposure. And I can still, I can, because his influence has been so broad, I still know who he is and I can look and I can see like, oh, he's actually for a long time been doing this stuff well, you know. And, and I think that that in and of itself is a big testament to to the life and the work that he that he lived and i think that that's um that's super super important and i think it's it's um, before we skip to the bio just interesting to think about his sort of urban focus and how like 
in some senses, depending on the, the Christian circles that you run in, that might even seem a little cliche or a little sort of um, trite in a way, um, kind of pithy to talk about being, you know, for the city or, or whatever. But it's like, to, to whatever extent that's true, that, that it is somewhat of a cliche amongst a certain stripe of, um, you know, urban evangelical to talk that way. It's kind of because of Tim Keller's ministry uh, in especially like like past like the past decades, like the 90s and the, and the 2000s, like for the evangelical world and and those sort of adjacent to it to really think intentionally about doing ministry in, an, in a contemporary, modern, urban context um, it, you know, I'm not saying that necessarily everything he ever said was was gold or was the only or best way to do ministry in a city, but like, you know, the the Redeemer City to City website has statistics. You know, currently half the world is urban, and by 2050, 68 percent of the world is going to live in cities. So, you might have a totally different method that 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 you're you know, convinced is effective, but like, regardless, it's a conversation that needs to continue to be had because most people, most people live in cities, you know, like, it's just like, you need to know how to do ministry to people and that's where they are. So to, to sort of see that and, and, and be faithful to that as, as, as a pastor in one of the major world cities, like I think is, um, another testament to that sort of that pastoral, uh, motivation, right? Cause he's not like some guy who just moves somewhere and gets paid a lot of money to talk about doing ministry in cities. He's some guy who starts a church in a city and is like, Oh, how do I minister to these people? <laughs> and, and so, um, yeah, I, I just, I want to like kind of, before we do the bio, just kind of talk about like the, the, the things that I find remarkable about his life that are worth, you know, taking the time to record my thoughts about it or whatever. Um, as someone who didn't know him personally, who wasn't in his church, et cetera, et cetera, um, I think you can, when you start to look at it, you can really see his impact without, without too much effort because it was so deep and broad across these last however many years. Yeah, no, that's good. And I think we'll touch on some more of that even, but just very briefly, like you mentioned, we'll do a quick little flyover of his life. I mean, how how can you summarize the life of someone so influential someone who did so much writing despite being a, a you know a pastor and leader of a church and other organizations um like it's a it's just insane to try to do so you know i can't write an entire biography or anything so this is sort of like fifty thousand foot view at the life of timothy james keller um, who was born in allentown pennsylvania in 1950 to louise and william keller uh keller was married to kathy in 1975, they had three children. As far as uh, schooling goes, Keller was a gradu uh, graduate of Bucknell um, University, where he got his BA in 72, uh, Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, where he got an MDiv in 75, and then Westminster Theological Seminary, where he received his D-Min in 81. Um, as we mentioned, he was ordained by the Presbyterian Church in America, the PCA, uh, he served as a pastor at West Hopewell Presbyterian Church 
in Hopewell, Virginia for nine years while also serving as director of church planting for the PCA. Uh, He also served on the faculty of Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia, where he and his wife, Kathy, were involved in urban ministry, as we've said. Uh, Despite a lack of experience, really, Keller was recruited by his denomination to start Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Manhattan in 1989 after two others had turned down the position. Um, So Redeemer grew from approximately 50 people to a total attendance of over 5,000 people each Sunday as of 2008, leading some to call Keller the, quote, the most, uh, the most successful Christian evangelist in the city, end quote, which I would have to say is probably true. I mean, I don't know enough about uh, Manhattan or, you know, New York City more generally to know, like, what what's going on as far as churches and population and growth, but 50 to 5,000 in 20 years is pretty insane. Um, uh, let's see. Redeemer, uh, has also founded hope for New York, which is a nonprofit organization that sends volunteers and grants, uh, to over 40 faith-based ministries serving social needs in New York city, the center for faith and work, um, to train professionals in Christian theology and redeemer city to city to train and fund pastors in New York and other cities. So those are just a couple of the organizations he worked with and started and co-found, Um, let's see, moving forward significantly on July 1st of 2017, Keller stepped down from his role as senior pastor of Redeemer Church. Um, the, the move was part of a larger vision to shift his efforts from preaching to training the next generation of leaders, um, who were starting churches in global cities through Redeemer city to city. Um, a a brief little mention of his health things. Uh, Keller suffered from thyroid cancer in 2002, and then in June of 2020, so right in the middle of uh, you know all the COVID happenings, um, Keller revealed that he had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So that has been what's kind of kept his health poor these last couple of years. So he died under hospice care at home in Manhattan on May 19th, 2023, at the age of 72, um, which of or at the time of recording, was nine days ago. Um, So like I said, very, very overarching, like brief sketch of uh, a tremendous life, you know, beginnings, trainings, happenings, etc. If we wanted to very briefly uh, cover a couple of other fun facts, uh, Keller was one of the co-founders of the Gospel Coalition. I'm sure most people are familiar with the the Gospel Coalition. Another interesting thing about Keller, um, sort of theologically, but also politically, uh, he criticized the evangelical uh, alliance, or maybe you want to say even allegiance with Republicans, and argued that Christianity is much uh, a much broader global movement that agrees with some liberal and some conservative issues, and he critiques them both. Um, so this led, you know, for many people to sort of label... Um, Keller as this like third way type of person. And I think in many ways he does uh, embody and uh, sort of exemplify that fact. Um, He actually shunned the label, quote, evangelical. I think we could have had Tim Keller on the podcast when we did our leaving evangelicalism uh, episode, but he shunned that label because of its political and fundamentalist connotations, uh, preferring to call himself uh, preferring to call himself orthodox because, quote, he believes in the importance of personal conversion 
or being born again um, in the full authority of the Bible, end quote. So that's a little bit of a, an interesting caveat. Like, obviously, he would fall under the evangelical banner, um, but it's one that he kind of shied away from. Uh, he did identify as a Calvinist theologically, although many within the Calvinist camp critiqued him um, for some of his interpretations and some of his teachings on, on different doctrines. Um, and lastly, just kind of like one of the, uh, you know, in- interesting, like the, the centerpiece, uh, like the, the focal point of, of Keller's ministry um, was his teaching of the doctrine of the gospel, like as it should be. Um, emphasizing the doctrines of, uh, you know, sometimes total depravity, unmerited grace, substitutionary atonement. Um, but uh, his, this teaching is summarized by his often used explanation that says, quote, the gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Um, that's something he was sort of famous for repeating often. Um, but again, this understanding of the gospel is contrasted to what Keller called, quote, traditional religion, uh, which he defines as a set of rules, rituals, or actions that enable an, ind- an individual to earn um, salvation or favor with God, as well as irreligion, which he defines as the belief that there is no God or no need for his favor. Um, so again, this is that idea of like a gospel third way or a gospel centered approach um, in, in Tim Keller's thinking specifically. Uh, but for, if you're if you're somebody who's followed him on Twitter, if you've read his books, if you've heard his sermons, even perhaps seen articles like I think some of what was just said, like will ring true. It'll be something that maybe you haven't been able to put your finger on, but like now you maybe have an, a better idea of like why he wrote the way he wrote, why he preached the way he preached, etc. Like, one of the most interesting things to me, man, I don't know if you paid attention or if you remember who published your version of uh, The Prodigal God, um, but, like, I had a co- I have a copy of The Prodigal God. I have a, pro- uh, a copy of The Meaning of Marriage. I have the Rediscovering Jonah book. All three of them are Penguin Press publications, which I remember getting them and just being like, why? Like my only experience with penguin is like, you know, like the, the penguin classics, you know, you could read the Odyssey. Um, I have my confessions by Augustine is, is an addition by penguin, um, you know, pride and prejudice, uh, the, the grapes of wrath. And then there's like Tim Keller in this catalog of penguin books. Um, and I actually looked through, um, his Wikipedia page lists all of his, like his published works. And then like where he's published within like volumes that are, you know, he has like an excerpt in, um, but, like, most notably, he has Viking, Penguin, um, and The Good Book Company. So, like, perhaps, like, if you're thinking about different Christian publishers, you might think of, uh, like, Crossway or IVP or Baker or any number of, you know, Zondervan. Like, all these other publications and imprints that, uh, you know, might have a certain, like, sway depending on where you fall you know more conservative or liberal um, but instead of like falling into the within those camps it's like i don't i don't know much about viking or the good book company but like penguin to my knowledge is not like a faith-based publishing house necessarily um, maybe they have like a wing of pub of penguin that's like here are our like you know religious studies books or something um, but i again at the very least i found it very fascinating that like and i don't i don't i i Truthfully, I should say, I don't know like how much say 
an author has in where their books get published. But I imagine that like he was cool with the idea of being published by Penguin. Um, So like that fact alone, I would, I'd be very interested to like hear an interview or hear him discuss like what led to that, like how he even got to the point where he was like routinely being published by Penguin. So I've been talking for a while. Anything you want to add on like his life, his bio, some of those things, like did anything pique your interest or curiosity? Yeah, I mean, not not really, not not really adding anything to what I said earlier, which probably means I should shut up, but I won't. Instead, I'll just kind of like reframe something that that I think he sort of characterizes pretty well. This like contemporary, you know, information age, Internet age, digital age, whatever, um, like kind of contradiction where we are more globally aware and connected because just because of the ability to speak with people who are hundreds of miles away instantaneously to gain um you know knowledge of what's going around around the world through videos and photos and and you know real-time updates about about news stories or um you know memes and all that kind of stuff um and at the same time like i know in my own life i've experienced the the need like there's a reason god made us in a garden right there's a reason people have lived a certain way um for so long and that is a fundamentally local existence because we are situated in space and time and what comes to mind with with the reason this comes to mind with respect to tim keller is this pastoral bent that we've pointed out where um, he had a he had a he his his vision was for the global church for the good of the whole world, um, but he wasn't you know like I believe it's um, I don't know if it's uh, I always get this mixed up I don't know if it's Dostoevsky or C.S. Lewis who talks about um, like if if you you can't love. If, if you love humanity in general, you'll never love any human because humanity in general is not a particular person deal with, in, with particular features that you can talk to, that you can, that you can learn about, that you can get to know. And there's something about um, living in um, a world that tries to be, you know, globally connected um, where we get outraged or excited about things that have no impact on us, um, that can't have any impact on us directly, um, that we can't have any impact on directly. Um, and the problem with that is not being more aware of what's going on. It's neglecting what is in real life. It's neglecting your community, um, and what, and, and, you know, your parish and your, and the ministry that God has given you to the people in your workplace and your, family and your friends and all that kind of thing um and in your city right and and tim keller is is fascinating to think about in this respect because he is his ministry was so global and it didn't start out that way but it did but it became that way obviously by the by the time that he passed away and um and yet it it he he carried it out in such a way that I don't know. I'm not making personal statements about his his life or anything. I'm just saying he 
very much was a man of the church, his church, and and concerned with training church leaders and planting churches and equipping churches for this for, for to be able to live to live the gospel in their respective cities and their respective communities um, all around the world. And I think that that's that's um, admirable, and it points out a a I don't know if we, I want to call it necessarily like a, like a like a contradiction or a paradox that we kind of live in in this age that we really need to wrestle with um, as people who want to live seriously, who want to live well, who want to live faithfully. Um, we really need to we really need to look at how we go about living in in this world that is dominated by you know a global information network while also recognizing we're not global creatures, we're, we're local, and, and what that means, um, which in itself is a whole host of other topics to, to think about. But um, I, do, I do think that, that some of that comes up, for me at least, thinking about Tim Keller's work, thinking about his life, um, and I think it's worth um, you know adding him to the list of resources in terms of how he went about doing, you know, as one person, as, as a pastor doing a global ministry, right? How, like, I think there's, there are lots of lessons that, that we could learn for our own life in our own context, being people who live in the internet society that we do while also not losing sight of the, of the church that God has placed us in, that, that we exist in, that we are called and commanded to minister in and not, um, you know, abstracting that to just thinking I can live up in my head anywhere in the world now and, and interface with it through the internet. Like that's not, that's not real life. That's not really living a human life. So um, it seems to me that Tim Keller offers us some resources in terms of how he went about doing that because he's so grounded in his pastoral calling, even as he's writing books that millions of people around the world are reading, which is really interesting to think about and, and to meditate on. So, that's all I really have to say. And I don't know if that really has anything to do, but I figured I'd tack that on at the end. No, it does. I mean, like, like I sort of said in the beginning, um, uh, talking about the life of a Christian ought to be uh, a conversation on legacy. And we can't know to a, the fullest extent the legacy that, that Tim Keller leaves behind. But we can touch on it. We can we can approach it. We can poke at little aspects. And, and ultimately, like that's that's part of why way back when we started this idea of Christians of history. We wanted to see those that came before us, um, you know, where they were uh, noble, where they perhaps fell short, where there were significant contributions, um, whether it be locally or globally or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's all great. I I'm glad that's where we've taken this. And if, if you listener or even you, I guess, Lucas too, like if, if you guys are out there wondering, like, this is interesting, I'm fascinated. I, d- I don't know much about Tim Keller, or maybe you do, and you just want other resources. Um, I have a couple of places that I'll point you and then we can sort of, uh, you know, leave this conversation today, but, uh, perhaps most staggeringly, um, I believe what I'm about to say is true. Um, gospel in life is like a, a website, a podcast. It's, it's associated with Tim Keller. I believe every sermon that has ever been recorded of his is available on, on that place. I don't know. That's right. That, I don't know if that's a hundred percent true, but I feel like I read that in the wake of him passing. Like there was something about 
all of his sermons and talks available online. Um, if not all, like hundreds and thousands, like, well, I should say hundreds and maybe thousands, uh, lower case thousands. Um, regardless, lots of great uh, sermons, talks, resources. Um, if you're a pastor, student, somewhere in between, none of the above, like still some great resources there. Um, if you don't want to listen to sermons or uh, podcasts and you want to read books, I have a couple. I've already mentioned Rediscovering Jonah, um, which is about the secret of God's mercy. Tremendous book. Um, this is a book I haven't read, but I want to. And I think if you're interested in learning more about like Tim Keller, his life, his ministry, um, Colin Hansen wrote a book. Uh, it's Tim Keller, Timothy Keller. Uh, his spiritual and intellectual formation um, came out in early 2023. Um, again, just by mere chance, coincidence, no providence in there, I'm sure. Um, and then lastly, uh, a more recent book that came out in the last couple of years. It's called Forgive. Why should I and how can I? Um, I think a book on forgiveness is very timely um, in, in, the, in the world in which we find ourselves, especially the way in which he wrote it. Um, you know, talking about a, an, an age of outrage, an age of, um, you know, social media and just divisions. Like, how can we forgive? How should we? Um, why it's important, why it matters, how to mend what's been broken. Um, all really important things. So there are a few books to throw out. We've mentioned a couple others like The Meaning of Marriage, The Prodigal God. Um, you know, if you want to see more, go to his Wikipedia page. There's like 38 books or something that you could check out. Um, but without any further ado, um, we'll close. I don't have a prayer prepared, um, so we'll just we'll just exit this episode um, the way that we normally do. So I personally want to send a, a salute and a thank you to all of you for listening to this episode or any episode, especially in the last couple of weeks. Somehow you guys like keep coming back, even though we've just been re-uploading episodes for the last like two or three months. Um, like we see your engagement, your participation, and we are thankful. So yeah, we just want to say thanks. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology Podcast. You can send us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions, feedback, episode ideas. Um, at the end of the day, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, just to give you a peek behind the curtain, we have lots of exciting things planned for the remainder of the year. Um, despite our busyness, like we've said, um, it seems like there's going to be some some stability coming our way. Um, so we have some interviews, some books, some themed months coming your way. So stay tuned. And until next time, uh, peace. See you.